Welcome to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Are you looking to master the art of real estate sales? Do you want to level up your business and lifestyle? You are in the right place. Aaron and his guests share winning real estate sales strategies and techniques and show you how to win the inner game that leads to financial freedom. Get ready. Here is your host, top producing real estate agent and coach to some of the top agents in the U.S. and internationally, Aaron Novello. Hey guys, so welcome to the Aaron Novello podcast, another episode. And with us today, we have a absolute rock star, uh, Ms. Tina Call. Uh, I've had the great fortune of knowing Tina for a long time, uh, 10, 11 years, years probably, yeah. and uh, watched her, you know, continue to grow her business and be kind of a, you know, a pillar in the real estate industry. So I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to uh, spend some time with us today, Tina. Thank you. Thank you. I'm honored even to be here. So thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I always, you know, think in preparation for, you know, shooting these episodes, my intention is to add value, right? Like 10 times the value of what people are spending to be here with us, whether it's their time, kind of energy resources. And when I think of Tina, I think of two things, right? The first one is, is a dominant, despite it being in a very uh, uh, attractive package, right? A dominant, aggressive listing agent, right? That's the first thing I think of. The second thing I think of is um, the fact that you have been able to transition that into also a very large profitable team. Mm -hmm. So what I figured we would talk about first is how kind of the origins of your real estate business and kind of the core pillars of that origin and then how that transitioned into kind of a team and, and what that team looks like as of right now. Perfect. Perfect. Well, um, yeah, so I've been doing this for 20 years and uh, I started back up in Michigan and, you know, I was just the average agent. I mean, I was, you know, I had uh, decent sales coming out of the gate because I was, wasn't afraid to talk to people, but um, I luckily, luckily, luckily ran into Bellino Bide, who we all know um, <clears throat> in my market. And as our market was crashing here, this woman is, you know, she's going to make a million dollars that year. And I'm like, man, I'm leaving the business because I'm I lost half my income, and this chick's selling all these homes. And so anyway, I get I get in front of her. She tells me about a coaching program, and uh, the rest is history as far as learning how to um, have skills to be a skilled agent. So I hire the coach. The coach kind of says, okay, you need to get in front of more people. This is not only a relationship business of the people that you do know. It's the people that you don't know that are going to make you the millions, right? So my mindset shifted immediately. Uh, 2008, uh, Kathy Anderson was my coach at the time. And she said, what's your big, hairy, audacious goal? And I said, to get the heck out of Michigan because I don't like the snow, right? And, and that was, I was poisoned because I would fly over to San Diego in January for the superstar retreat or whatever retreat we were doing. And, and I'm like, man, the other half of the world is not dealing with this. So, um, so our big dream was to move. And by 2009, we moved to Raleigh. And what was so interesting is two years into coaching, it gave me that um, confidence to just pack up a business that we were making, you know, 250 grand between my husband and I, we were 29 years old. Um, We moved to North Carolina. We don't know a soul. And here we are in a new market. We can't leave our neighborhood without GPS, but we were armed with confidence. We were armed with scripts and we were armed with a telephone. And so... So from there, you know, building a business was interesting. You know, I, would, I started with Remax there, um, got into the office at 7.30 in the morning, and you were actually one of my first role play partners in North Carolina. 
Yeah. And, and he's a great role play partner. Um, I learned a lot of nuggets from you. You're the word master. So um, I still have your price reduction script and that's what I teach from. Um, so thank you, word master. But, um, but learn, you know, I was the first one in the office at 730 and the agents would roll in, you know, nine, 10 o'clock and they'd all say, what are you doing in there? And I'm like, I'm building a business here. North Carolina's crashing. It's 2009. Uh, they started crashing in 08. I kept telling everyone it's coming. Um, 9, 10, 11, and 12, the market completely crashes. Agents are leaving the business and my business is doing this. And I'm new in this market. So the first year first year we get here in six months, um, I completely lost my way. Um, I was in a new market. I was in my head. I, I couldn't even get an appointment to save my life. So Kevin, actually, my husband, was the one that kind of got us through that time. And so Kathy Anderson finally had to really work with me on mindset. And she said, a house is a house is a house. You're still the same Tina Call. You just need to put your crown back on and get your ass out there and help people sell their homes. And so then for whatever happened, that second six-month period, we sold 40 homes. So it was one short sale in the first six months with maybe a couple sales in between and then 40 homes. And from there, my rhythm just came back. My confidence came back. Um, and so I think the, the, the big thing is when we look at growing ourselves, we start as individual agents and we get to max capacity. And that's different for everyone. We know the Josh Barkers of the world, 220 deals himself. I don't know what you do, 100 and what, 25, 150 yourself, yeah. 150 deals. Mine was 130. By the time I got to 130, I had lost my way, really. I was kind of depressed. Um, the money was great. You know, we had made over a million dollars at that point. I got to my goal of having that million dollar on my tax return. Um, but I wasn't happy. And so I found that being exhausted and not happy, I wanted a little bit of leverage. And so I hired my first buyer's agent and that agent brought another 30, 35 deals, but took over a lot of my buyer deals. So I completely shifted into being just a listing agent because those 130 deals, 45 of them were my sellers that needed to buy. So I was out there in the field every day um, and the rest were listings. So I, in uh, 2014, I believe it was, or 2015, I got rid of every single buyer. I didn't work with buyers anymore. Um, and then I kind of thought I got a little piece of my life back and that tasted good. And so I said, you know, I'm going to add another buyer agent because we had more leads than we knew what to do, do with. So for me, the goal was in building a team, build from need. Don't build from, okay, I'm just going to track 10 agents. Build from the 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 authentic need that your wheels are falling off and you need people to help you go to the next level. And that's when I started hiring, you know, I hired two buyer's agents and then went to two admin. So now there's five of us on the team. And then come 2017, I read the MREA book. Um, I thought it was fantastic. I'm like, this is a great book. Um, I, I couldn't sleep the night. I just literally ripped through it in three days. I'm like, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to build a team, run it, you know, like an organization, like a business. Um, and so I, and with that mindset, I, I moved to Keller and, and really um, wanted to explore that more and, and potentially step out of the business. Um, but I never got there, which, which I'm thankful for today. But, you know, when that business started to grow, um, I went to, now I'm today, fast forward three years later, 10, 10 agents on the team, an operations manager, two admin one assistant and myself. Um, but I'm in a different mindset now where I still do my 100 deals a year, but 
I teach my team the core, you know, the basics. So time management skills, they have to come in every morning. They have to do their lead gen. Um, they have to prospect. Um, they have to have skills of a strong lead follow-up. Um, they need to pre-qualify. They need to know how to handle objections and they need to be able to be uh, confident in front of our buyers and our sellers. So, so I teach them the core basics. basics but what I found is not everybody is wired like I am. So they don't have the obsessive compulsive behavior to say, I want to make a million dollars. Not one person on my team, actually one, I take that back. One gal on my team says, I want to do what you do and I want to make a million dollars a year. Um, so, so learning that I had to kind of figure out that, oh my God, I'm turning into some leader that people are following. I still can't believe to this day that people follow me. Like in my mind, I'm like, I have uh, what do you call it? Um, imposter syndrome. You know, like, why do these people follow me? You know, but, but at the end of the day, I think they follow confidence. You know, they follow people that they think are successful. So, uh, so that's been a learning experience for me is leading. Yeah, I think that's part of it. I think the other thing, um, the like confidence, the Latin derivative of the word confidence, it means trust. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you trust yourself implicitly because you know what to do and what to say and how to say it. So, you know, that. You kind of exude that for the people that are around you. Yeah. So I guess I'm curious because I wrote down a few things, right? Um, one is when you started, like the experience wasn't that great. And that was my experience too, right? The first calendar year, I only made 13,000 bucks. So I wrote down, as you were saying, is that knowledge equals power. Mm-hmm. Now, everybody knows that. But the question is, is what if you're operating under the wrong knowledge? Right. That's yeah. problematic. <laughs> Yeah. So what knowledge were you operating under initially that was just not accurate? When I made the move or just in the beginning of my prior, career? Like prior to you meeting Baleen, like what, oh, knowledge, yeah. what, well, what was you know, the false knowledge you were operating under? Well, I think that, you know, when you're, when you walk into any traditional real estate office, they hand you a desk, they hand you at that time, and this is 20 years ago, this was 2001, 9-11 was my first day in real estate, if you can believe that. Wow. Um, so they hand you a little, you know, the, the yellow pages at the time. And they're like, okay, make some calls, call everybody, you know. And so you're looking around the office and not everybody's producing at a high level. So you're just fine. You know, you're average and, and that's your normal. But then you meet a couple people that truly change that idea of what it could be. And you go, well, what's so different about them? And what was interesting in 2006, when our market was crashing in, in Michigan, um, and I was leaving the business. I had was cleaning out my desk, and there was a flyer, and it said, uh, "Learn how to earn a million dollars in real estate coaching, two thousand dollars a month." Well, of course, I crumple it up and throw it away because I was making one twenty-five, which was a good income for a twenty-three-year-old, um, and I was down to forty grand. So I was leaving. I was going to go be an interior designer because that's what my true passion is. And so I crumple that up. I'm cleaning out my desk. The next day I get an email and it says, join us at the um, action workshop and learn how to make a million dollars. And I'm like, okay, maybe this is God saying, okay, dumb, dumb. I'm bringing you, you know, I'm bringing you this knowledge, like go, go investigate. So I grabbed three, uh, I grabbed my broker in charge. I grabbed three other agents in my office. I'm like, we're going. Cause everybody was pretty much losing half their income at the time. And that's where I saw Baleen. I mean, I'm thinking here, I'm sitting here going, she makes a million dollars a year. Why is she at a training event? Like, why would this top agent be somewhere that she's learning and growing? It didn't, it didn't connect until it connected, you know? And, and I, at that time, uh, Jeff Glover was in the room 
And he stood up and he told us his little story about how he was a furniture sales guy. And he made, at that time, he's like, I'm making 400 grand a year. Michelle Sayward was in the audience. I hadn't known them at the time. She stands up with her little squeaky voice saying she makes 350 grand. I'm like, man, if these people can do it, I can do it. Like that was it for me. And so I immediately, um, you know, talked to Belene. She said, yes, this is where, you know, I, I make all, all of my decisions based on this coaching. So I sign up immediately and then I have to go home and face my husband here. We're losing half our income. And I just sign up for a $12,000, you know, um, expense. And I'm like, how am I going to, how am I going to convince this guy that, you know, this, he, he's got to trust me on this because uh, we can afford it at the time. And I kind of just came home. I said, honey, I'm going back to school. And he goes, well, what do, you, what do you mean? I said, I'm going back to college. He goes, well, what are you going to study? I said, real estate. And he goes, real estate. I said, okay, listen, I, I found this company. They're going to, you know, they're going to take me through this tough time. And he thought it was some MLM crazy scheme. Yeah. Like he, he didn't understand, but long and short of it, everybody in my company did not sign up for coaching. And I couldn't understand why here. I'm like, we're all dying. They're showing you the way these people are doing it. Why don't you guys have the confidence to sign up like me? And none of them did. Yeah. And none of them to this day, they're great people, great agents, but they've not gotten to that level. And it just, again, it's that innate, that burning desire where you just want more. I wanted more. And I knew that that was my answer to get it. That's awesome. Yeah. And I think because, um, you know, one of the things I like to what I'm hearing from you, right, uh, that I share when I'm doing talks to agents or with the agents that I coach is that uh, there's four noble truths. And the first noble truth of this game is that it's a sales business. Mm -hmm. No different yeah. than selling books door to door, knives door to door, subscriptions over the over the phone. Right. Yeah. And because of that, it has to follow the same sales process, which is what you were describing. I have to have the skill, which it is a skill of being able to set appointments. Yeah. If I don't possess that skill, then the marketplace will fire me. Exactly. And the way that they fire me is with a lack of deals and income. I have to be able to, once I set those appointments, qualify those appointments to make sure that people have the means and the motivation to actually do something when I see them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. And, you know, I, I tell my team all the time, I'm like, look around, look at every single thing in the room today. Somebody sold that to us. Right. Everything is sales. Everything. The chair you're sitting on, the books behind you. Everything is sales, everything in the world. So, you know, if you don't get good at that or build the confidence to get better at it, you just don't have much. And yeah. so, and right? what I'm aware of is like when, when we go back to that like trust thing, right? Is that I was in a, I was doing something, there was like 300 people in the room and I was role playing with this woman and she's like, wow, you actually say that to a seller? Like, how do you have that much confidence? Confidence, yeah. But you know what I said to her? I said, well, you're really asking me because the Latin derivative of the word confidence is trust. Right. Here's the question. Who am I trusting? Right. Myself. Yourself. How do you gain trust in yourself? It's through repetition. I've done it so many times. Right. Right. That, if, that I can just, you know, kind of deliver it and, it and it not be a big deal. So what she was really asking me is, how do you trust yourself so much? Right. When I look at it that way, now I can say like, okay, well, how have I cultivated trust for myself in other areas in my life? Whether it be an instrument that I played or whether it be something else that I feel very comfortable with. Yeah. And I'm imagining like 99% of the time it's because you've put in a whole bunch of reps. Totally. I mean, that, that makes perfect sense with anything that we do. Um, and what people don't understand too, is it took time for me to build that trust. Um, my first coach I lied to him for two months and I told him I was making calls and I wasn't. And so finally he said to me, Tina call. He goes, you're pretty good when we role play on the phone. He goes, you either are lying 
or you suck that bad. And I said, okay, I admit it, I'm lying. So the next day he gave me um, a task and he said, I want you to make one for sale by owner call and one expired call. Can you at least do one? And for me, the idea of one wasn't daunting. So I got on the phone the next day and I, I remember I had my script and I got my little headset and I called the for sale by owner and I read the first line and he answered the question. And I read the second line and he answered the question and I freaked out and I hung up on him. And all I remember saying is, this shit works. Yeah. And so, so then it was, you know, again, building that repetition. I'm going to call, do two calls tomorrow and three calls tomorrow. So to think of myself today as that human that was two months lying to her coach, couldn't get on the phones. And today I can get on the phones with anybody. I built that trust in myself and the confidence. And you just got to build it wherever everybody's different and nobody likes to prospect other than Aaron Novello. That's right. Nobody <laughs> likes it. <laughs> I still don't like it to this day, but oh, I know I yeah. yeah. So what I wrote down is, is like what I've been sharing with people this week, particularly as this whole kind of thing unfolds because it is affecting business for sure, is that uh, you can't outsource pushups. Nope. Like I'd love to be able to like pay somebody in the Philippines five bucks an hour to like do pushups for me. And then I get the physical like benefits of that. Yes. Yes. It's, like, it's not, that's not how that works. That works. That's right. I love that. I, love I have that. to be willing to put in the reps and, you know, for someone to say to me like, wow, like, you know, I can, you know, with those classes that we have online or whatever, they're like, wow, you know, like it sounds really good. I'm like, listen, you get rewarded in public for what you spend countless hours doing in private. Behind the scenes. Absolutely. You, practice, you know, 20,000 hours of like time and energy and effort as you have. Right. Yeah. So I guess I'm wondering, because that's interesting to me. I feel like that critical knowledge when you were making that transition is like, hey, wait a minute, this is a skill. A skill, yes. Like before that, it was like, oh, this is like something that I do and like I just kind of help people. And then after going to an event and kind of, you were like, wait a minute, this is a learnable skill. Not only is it a skill, but it's something that right. I can learn. Right. Because you knew that you had this like palpable burning desire, you made a bet on yourself, which is like, look, I'm gonna do what it takes to learn that skill. Absolutely. And I knew that I wasn't armed with an education. You know, I dropped out of college after two years. I didn't know what I wanted to do. So I didn't have a degree. Um, you know, I was a, I was a terrible math student in, in, uh, you know, growing up. So I, I didn't have the confidence that I was going to go out and become a surgeon. Like that was off the table for me. Right. So when I looked at the amount of income and the levels of income that people in this business were achieving, at all different levels of, you know, you know, academic, whatever, you know, they, they didn't have to be scholars to do this. No. Then it gave me the confidence that, oh, I could learn that too, you know, because I wasn't as confident growing up, but then I became more confident as an adult. Yeah. And you had a burning desire to, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that, right? Like I knew at a young age that I wanted to make a lot of money. Yeah. 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 Like I used to sell airheads out of my backpack at the bus stop. Like like, that I believe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I knew from a young age and we get a lot of kind of, you know, uh, information from other people as to how that could be bad or wrong. But, you know, the Good Samaritan had more than just good intentions. Well, that's it. And, you know, and for me growing up, um, what was a blessing, I think, you know, I grew up in a, in a poor family. We weren't rich, but my dad was a serial entrepreneur. He had 20 failed businesses. So for me, it was very natural to just go into business for yourself. I never had that block in my mind where, oh my God, I'm going to take this risk. That was very normal for me. Um, failure was very normal. But for me, looking back, he actually succeeded because he never gave up, you know? And so that was such a great lesson 
watching him fail and getting back up and doing it again and doing it again and doing it again. And he never gave up until now he's actually living in Florida and he has a successful business. So it took him 21 times. Um, he said to me, I, I'm glad that it took you once <laughs> to find something successful because he went through that pain. And I got lucky at 21, you know, finding this business. You found the right vehicle. Yeah. So that's yeah. awesome. And I think that that's very important for, you know, agents that could be watching this, depending wherever they find themselves at their skill level is that you just to understand that set, we, we are salespeople. We just happen to sell real estate. Right. And it's a skill that's learnable that, that if you put in the time and the reps that you can acquire that skill, it's no different than playing the violin. It's no different than, you know, being a really good surgeon. It's the same kind of skill and requires the same type of dedication. Now, the other thing that I wanted to kind of ask you about, because you mentioned, which I think is critical now as uh, things unfold and we're getting all this news and, uh, you know, the economy is being affected is mindset. So yes. when you made this transition, you shared that it wasn't like you moved and it was like gangbusters and you made all this money. It's like you moved yeah. and mentally uh, for a brief I, moment, you like shut down. Yeah. I freaked out. I said, what did we do? Yeah. Why did we do this? Yeah. But it wasn't, it wasn't easy. It was um, a lot of poor me. Um, I don't know the market. Everybody here has an accent. They're going to know I'm not from here. What if they ask me how many homes I sold and I have to say none? Again, there's my ego. Um, you know, because in Michigan, I could say, well, you know, I'm this, this number at my company. And so I was stripped of everything that I was. And I had to build the confidence to, you know, walk into someone's house in a new place and pretend that I knew what was going on outside their door. Yeah. And that was hard for me. It was hard for me mentally. That's interesting. And I'm imagining that for a lot of agents who may be watching this at this moment as things unfold, because during my coaching calls this week and everything, I'm hearing a lot of fear, right? Yeah. And absolutely. when people feel uncertain is where that leads to feeling fear, right? Right. So like what would be some kind of having had that experience mm -hmm. uh, for you, uh, what would be some advice or guidance that you can give to people with regards to like maintaining, right? That the mindset that, yeah, like you can do this regardless of external circumstances. Yeah. You know, um, when I look out the window in my office, I see sunshine, I see birds, I see happiness, right? And so, you know, the bush doesn't know what's going on. It's just existing. And so I feel like I can focus my attention on things that I can control right now. Um, I can control my setting. I can control what I say to my child. I can control what I, you know, if I get up and do my hair and put my makeup on and, and just keep my normal routine, I can control me. Um, if I sit in front of the TV all day and pour fear into my brain, there is not one human being in this planet, not, the, not Tony Robbins, not anybody that can walk away from an eight hour, you know, uh, news blast and feel great. There isn't one human being that can do that. So I do want to know what's going on. I don't want to bury my head in the sand, but I also want to control and protect this. This is my bubble. I'm going to protect my mindset. And right now I got to protect it more than ever before because it's just constantly being bombarded with negativity right now, right? Yeah, and I think that that's really interesting because I also think as kind of leaders, it's both things. We have to accurately assess reality. Correct. We have to look at things very clearly, right? Not rosy colored glasses, but like, hey, this is what it is. But then at the same time, uh, like you were saying, control the controllables. 
Yeah. Right. So there's this thing called the trichotomy of control. So there's stuff that I have some control over, but not complete. Mm-hmm. There's stuff that I have absolutely no control over, which is most. And then there's stuff that I have complete control over, which is like few and far between. Right. So the deal is what I'm hearing you say, and what I've been suggesting to people as well is like, I just want to dominate the controllables. Right. So I'm still going to wake up at the same time every day. Like you said, you're still going to do your routine and get dressed, put your makeup on. You're st- I'm still going to write out my goals and objectives every day. I'm yeah. still going to do incantations and affirmations. I'm still going to get on the phone and look for those people who need my help, right? Because yeah. I have control over that. I can't control interest rates. I can't control the way the marketplace responds. I can't right. control, you know, a lot of things with regards yeah. to the situation as it unfolds. And the other thing, you know, that I tell myself is, It's my duty to find those people right now because imagine if a seller that is in distress right now or a seller that has to move ends up, no offense, with somebody that can't control their own mindset or somebody that hasn't had experience and that can pull them through. They could leave a lot of money on the table. They could, it could be a disaster. So it's, it's my, um, that's how I push myself to say it's my job to go find those people and not let them Completely true. And it's funny you say that because that's exactly what I tell myself, it's like, it's my, I've been equipped with a particular set of skills. Right. And it's my duty and obligation. Right. Not like, you know, like it would be nice or I don't feel like it. Like I actually have an obligation to use those skills to find those people that truly, truly need my help because there are some that do. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day that that's like a doctor being like, you know what? I'm not going to go to work today. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like it. Cause it's difficult. Like it's kind of creepy. There's like bad stuff there. So I'm right. just not going yeah, to forget it. Forget it. Yeah. I don't want to, I want to, I want to sit home with everybody else and you just can't. And that's the thing. I think this is such a great excuse. And I'm not saying don't have time with your family. I mean, this is a, this is a great way for mother earth to slow it down and, and kind of reset. I agree with that, but we can't just live in a bubble for, you know, for the next 30, 40 days, 60 days, and then reset our lives. It's just going to have a huge financial impact. Um, if we do nothing. And so, so more than ever now, you know, I told my team, it's not even about doubling down or tripling down. We need to quadruple down um, our efforts. So if you were making five calls a day, you better be at 20, 30, and even 50 a day. And, and um, you know, and if it's not, and it's, and you don't have to objection handle today. You know, I even told my team, just call and ask people, you know, how, how they're doing. Hey, I'm a local realtor and a friend and a neighbor. I'm just checking in to see how are you guys doing through all this? The conversation when they know you're a realtor always goes to real estate. It just does naturally. So, so you don't have to feel weird about this. Yeah, that's awesome. So then th- that's a good segue. Cause I think we gave people some critical kind of key nuggets, right? One is that this is a skill that you can learn and yeah. master if you choose to take, to take the time to do so. And take the road of mastery, which is a while, right? My experience, seven to 10 years to probably master um, those, those conversations. The second thing we talked about is mindset, right? Mm-hmm. Is kind of getting out of this like poor me, like, oh, you know, Happening, and, yeah. and then yeah. taking extreme ownership over those controllables, right? Yeah. Now, what I think is interesting is for you to maybe talk to those people out there who have teams. Yeah. Because what I think is very interesting is that for the last five to seven years, we've been through economically like a very strong summer and fall. Yes. And what always precedes fall is winter, right? Yes. And it's been a lot of offense, mm-hmm. a lot of strategic thinking, right? Like a lot of offense, 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 and very little defense. Yeah. So 
I guess my question to you is when I see kind of big businesses and I see what they're doing at the moment and, and kind of serious money, right? What they're doing right. my question to you is like, what would be your advice or guidance for those people you have who are the captain of the ship? Like right. they are the team leader, let's say. Yeah. I think that for me, um, you know, it's, it's keeping them together more than ever now. So we do, um, a check-in every day at 9 a.m. You know, all their little faces are on the screen. Um, they're reporting how they contributed to their business every day. So I don't care if it's that I made two calls. I just want them to move the needle forward. Yeah. And I want them to still have accountability. Um, and I want to check in with each person individually. So I think you can check in as a team and you can give them the rah-rah. You can give them the, you know, rah-rah plus let's be realistic. But I think it's more important now than ever to check in with each one of your team members as a human to see where they at financially, right? What, I mean, dig in deep, you know, how much money do you have in the bank right now? You know, it's funny you say that because like last week I'm calling, that's exactly what I was doing. I'm calling that and I'm calling family members. I'm like, Hey, family, how long could yeah. you not work? Yeah. And uh, you know, like survive. Right. Right. So it's more important now than ever to check in um, find out their real financials because they're going to tell you. They're either going to cry on the phone and go, oh my God, I might have to get a job at Walmart. Um, you know, but you need to know where your people are. So I, I wanted to take a role of like, where is everybody at? So I can see who I need to pour into more, um, who I need to help more. Um, everybody's going to need something different. Some people are so worried about leaving their house because they're germaphobes. And even though, thank God, we're, we're deemed essential here to our local municipality, um, other people don't have that luxury. So, so we're able to get out there and show houses and, and do our job. So check in individually, check in as a team, and then do the oh shit conversation. What happens if we, we cannot sell as many homes and we have to dissolve, you know, just go there. I mean, I think they need to go there, um, as a hypothetical because you have to have that emergency plan right now that if, if the team needs to be dissolved or we need to let some people go, um, you know, we want to know what, what's the next step. I love that. I really do. Because, uh, you know, we were talking prior to kind of, uh, you know, starting the recording that what I'm seeing kind of in the space is like a lot of kind of cheerleading, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, like pom-poms, like, Hey, yeah, you can do it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> going to go back to normal in a month. No, it's not. I feel like, uh, there's a time for that. That's easier to sell when things are great, but when things aren't great, what you really need is true leadership. True. Yeah. And what true leadership is, is like, A, here's the harsh reality. I'm not going to like sugarcoat it. Like this is what it is. But also B, um, I feel like it's demonstrating, right? So you still have, because you never really got away from it. A lot of people who grow teams, they kind of did it for a little bit and then they tried to push it off to like, you know, other folks. Like right. you have that core set of skills. And I think now more than ever, it's important for people to see team leaders actually doing it. Yeah. You have oh, to they show have. people like, hey, this is how it's done. So on my Instagram account for, for the past two weeks, for all the followers and stuff, like I'm, I always do it anyway, but now I'm showing them me setting appointments. Like, look, watch me. Like, this yes, even as yeah. all this stuff yeah. is happening, I'm still on the phone. There's still people that are willing to talk to me. We're setting appointments. We're doing virtual listing presentations. Right. I feel like that's, People have to see that. And, and they need that accountability. You know, sometimes my husband was worried because he's like, I don't want to be too, you know, too strong on them. They're going through other emotional things. It's like, that's fine. But that's the same thing as parking yourself in front of the TV and just putting fear in your brain. Right. 
need them to move forward. And it's only going to be better for them. And I mean, take your time at the end of the day and cry it out and, and whatever you need to do. But at the, in the morning, you just have to move the needle forward a little bit. You just have to protect that mindset and say, whatever happens, I'm moving my business forward. People want to hear from you from right now. I mean, I've got sellers that when you show them numbers, uh, for instance, last year, the same exact day as today, we sold more homes, I'm sorry, yesterday. We sold more homes yesterday than the same exact day last year. We sold 75 more homes yesterday in an uncertain time than a certain time. Go figure, right? So, so I mean, if you give sellers and buyers information that they can process and go, oh, okay, well, things aren't that bad. It's not that they're not bad now. They're going to get bad worse later, right? So we just don't know how bad. So we got to be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. And that's the reality. A hundred percent. Yeah. And we were talking, you know, off camera that like, um, if there's a long tail, like this is the beginning of the tail. Right. Right. We were also talking, which I think is interesting too, is like, you know, you're saying having conversations with them, have the um, kind of very straightforward conversations with regards to what's going on from a financial perspective. Yes. You know, in their lives. And, you know, we were talking and I asked you, I said, do you like, is it your experience? Cause it's mine and having conversations with, you know, different companies and stuff. I don't think people really like, <laughs> they don't really recognize like what's happening, right? Where you sold real estate in 2089. I did too. Right. Yeah. So like, I guess if you could say something to those agents who perhaps they've only been in the business three or four years, five years, like they've only experienced like this. That's it. Like, what would you want to, what would you want to convey to them and make them very clear? on? Well, and I think, and I've heard other coaches, trainers say this too, you know, sometimes when, when you've been in the business from 2014 till now, the market made you better, right? The market, like Homes sold themselves, a lot of them, right? You put them on the market and we had 15 offers. That's not because I'm just such a great agent. It's just because there's such a low supply and I've priced it correctly. So, so you, it was hard to make mistakes in a market that's just moving forward at that, ma- at that mass level. But in a market that's shifting down, seller or sellers and buyers are going to want a confident leader in their corner. And that's going to take skill. And, and what I tell my team is, just because you didn't go through 2001 like I did in 2008 as I did, you can have the conversation as if your team did. Yeah. We remember the, the effects of 08. You can use we, the collective. You know, you could, if you're a single agent at a company, we remember. We is the collective group of real estate peers. So we remember when we went through 08 and here's this and this and this that happened. You know, right now they need to know a little bit about the stock market. They need to know about the job market. They need to know about oil prices. They need to know a little nugget of each thing that they can kind of talk um, intelligently with some intelligence on. So then the, the consumer goes, oh, well, this person is checked in. They understand, right? Yeah. So you've got those those the, the KPIs or whatever, your key performance indicators. What is going on in the world right now? So I can take a little piece of everything and regurgitate it. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, I think they just need to be ready for the shift and, um, and work on those skills right now. That's it. That's going to get them through. A hundred percent. Yeah. What I wrote down here as you were talking from what you said is that a really good market masks incompetency. Yes. You said it prettier than I did, but yes. (laughs) And the other thing to think about is this, we're all just saying, Oh my God, the virus is here. And look, this is happening today. Well, we don't know that this could have, this could happen again. There could be another virus next year. 
So if anything, this will teach our agents to become more financially um, you know, conservative, to not spend money on stupid things that they really don't need, which I've done my fair share, but you know, I, I do it in a way where you know, I can afford it right now when I spend the money, but I still feel guilty. Like sometimes I go, should I buy that? And then I go, yeah, yeah, I should buy that because I've worked that hard. But I mean, I think a lot of them have not been wise with their financial decisions. And so, you know, I think this is going to train everybody to be a little more conservative moving forward. And this could happen again. I hope so. I mean, I really do. When I was uh, I was in New Jersey two or three weeks ago now, prior to this all going on, if you can imagine that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this woman in the crowd, she's like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do exactly like what you're saying. I said, and I looked at her and I was like, listen, I really hope and wish and pray that you do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But here's the truth. It's like, all right, well, how many of you guys in this room know how to lose weight? Yeah. Like you understand conceptually the way that works. Like you exercise and you eat less. Like everybody understand that? Get it. Yeah. How good is that information doing you? Exactly. Right? It's hard. I mean, it's hard. And, so and I feel like unless, I think when people are up against a wall, that's where you take action. So, so in 2007, when I was up against a wall, leaving the business, lost half my income, that's where I needed to take action. And I hired a coach, right? Then I get to North Carolina. I don't know anybody. My husband came into the room. This is what shifted my mindset. It wasn't my crown back on my head. It was, Hey, we got here with a hundred grand. We have 15 grand in the bank. We've got one more month to survive. And I went, Oh shit, I better make some calls. And so my back was up against a wall again, and it forced me into action. We're just saying, don't wait till your back's up against the wall. But today, your back's up against the wall. It's through the wall, and you got to pull yourself out of it. 100%. Yeah, what I've been sharing with people is like, you know, uh, I stay ready so I don't have to get ready. Yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> right? Like ants always think about winter. Always. Yeah. Yes. Right? So, um, but this is great. I really feel like, uh, you know, people are going to get a lot of value from from you and your kind of expertise and time. So if people wanted to check you out, like where can they find you? Um, if you just Google uh, Tina Call, I mean, there's a bunch of YouTube call at call group is our Instagram handle. Um, so, yeah, you'll, you'll find me. I'm out there and I'm happy to help anybody. I mean, really, I'm just uh, I'm enjoying um you know, kind of giving people hope. So it's been a new thing for me in the past couple of years. Yeah. And I encourage you to continue to keep doing so, you know, I'll leave kind of the listeners with, uh, I read a, you probably read it too, like a wonderful book, um, maybe a year ago, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. I have not, but I'll write it down. Oh man. Like on mindset, you should have the whole team read it. And, uh, but one of the, there was a story in there about like this, this Greek general, Mm-hmm. And uh, he was saying that, like, listen, um, if you give me 100 people to go into battle, 90 of them shouldn't be there. Mm. They're the butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Like, they shouldn't be on the field. Right, right. Nine of them are soldiers. And we're glad that they are because the battle rises and falls on them. Yes. One, of, them, one of them's a warrior. Mm. And the warrior is the one that, A, makes sure that the mission gets completed. And B, they make sure as many people can come back, come back. Right. I so Miss Tina Call is a warrior. Oh, so thank I, you. I, I, I uh, implore you to continue to shine that light, give that hope. And I'm, I'm pretty sure you've done that today. So again, I appreciate you very much. Thank you kindly thank for taking you. the time. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you so much for listening to the Aaron Novello Podcast. Be sure to subscribe and follow Aaron on Instagram at Aaron Novello. Happy hunting.